Oh, recording already. I see. I see how you do there. You try to fool me. I mean, that's what Allison does to us. Oh. Hold on. There it goes. Thanks, Zoom. Hey. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to embody the Allison experience. Hold oh. on. I don't really have anything good to open today. All I have is this. That's great, though. And then this. That sounds really good. Okay, cool. Well, welcome to the podcast, Shannon Blanc. That is a that's a full ass bottle of wine. So well, sort of. I, I I broke into it last night. It's not very good, but you know, <laughs> life goes on. All right, everybody. Guess what? Allison's out of the house today. She's at South by Southwest, so it's just us chickens, me and Janine. She's living her best fucking life down there right now. Goodness gracious. Hell yeah. So Janine, hmm. do you have any? questions leading into this episode um is it it's not another 80 minute episode is it this is more like this is what you'd expect from this experience no it was it was like 75 minutes oh fudging fuck i man. think this whole i think based on what allison said last oh, time this right. whole season because there's only eight episodes i think they're all going to be a little bit longer that's right what an interesting choice and I, i'm sad i forgot that that's a really i don't really have any other questions about what what's going about to happen here because what i i mean we left off with fucking i mean basically like everybody's kind of going through some shit mm -hmm. some heavy like you know we've kind of romanticized the good old days for five seasons uh and then i think well in, in, well, I mean, not really. Last season was so fucking was horrible. Um, but you know, in a way, I've been like, oh, look at this this homesteading. People keep yeah. making us windows experience. Oh my god! <laughs> Before, hold on. Welcome to Podlander Drunkcast and Outlander Podcast. I'm Julie, we, and you are. Well, I'm Janine. We, what do we do when Allison's not here? How do I, I introduce know, it's myself? Weird, but anyway, welcome. <laughs> We're here to talk about Outlander season six, episode two, Allegiance. Is the I name know. of the episode. I want you to know that Jamie made a window joke in this episode. Did he really? Yes. They are listening to us. They are. They so, are. So, Daphne, if you're out there, thank whoever made the new wig. Thank them. <laughs> and maybe, and there was actually some pretty hot boning in this one, but it was different. Okay. Okay. Let's just get into it. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's say this, because huh. Allison is not here, and neither one of us have squat re-book knowledge. Nah. I'm just going to be recapping the episode of television, and if you have any questions or reactions, Janine, you just pop right in there. Awesome. I think this will be a quick one, and then when Allison returns, if she decides she wants to revisit it, and maybe do a bonus episode about this episode since she wasn't here that's a little bit more in-depth with book shit, then we will. Okay. But today it's just me blowing through. Okay. Hi, Jasper. Speaking of blowing through, there's Jasper walking <laughs> in the background. I was telling Julie before we started recording, I was taking a nap. And uh, as soon as I got up to get like ready for this, uh, Jasper comes out. And like with the loudest like big boy meows I've heard in a long time, he's like, where the fuck are you going? You did not cuddle me hard enough, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. So now he's hanging out with me. You know what? <laughs> this episode of Outlander also features a cat, Adso, very prominently. Oh, well, look at that. Yeah, okay. look. Life imitates art so much. All right, here we go. First of all, first things first, Kate Cheeseman directed this one too. So good job, Cheeseman, on both counts. This was oh. a pretty good episode. This one wasn't quite as deep as the first one. 
for lack of a better term, but we did learn a lot of things and some plot points got furthered. So deep as in like uh, deep in content and story development or as because like first one did a fuck ton of work to set up the stage. I, it's, I would it's say that like... this one did slightly less work because it okay. it. Um, well, I don't know. You be the judge. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay it out for you. But it, okay. it wasn't as maybe it's because it's the second episode and not the first episode that it wasn't quite as like exciting to me. It was still good. Yeah. Like I learned some stuff, but it wasn't quite as exciting. I don't know. Hold on. Okay. So we open with some fucking landscape porn. This place is beautiful. And it's uh, Wean and Jamie on two beautiful horses kind of riding through the wilderness. And we find out that they're going to meet the with the Cherokee, which is the local yeah. First Nations tribe. Yeah, and yeah. I think the chief's name, the war chief's name is Bard or something like that. I couldn't ever really catch it. And I tried to look it up on IMDb, but it wasn't helping me. So now Jamie is the Indian agent, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's going to meet with them, and they only have one request. We need guns. Yeah. And you know what? They're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie and, like, the most Jamie thing of all time is like, you know what? I'll consider it, but I can't promise it. He's a politician. Diplomat. Yeah. And the chief is like, you know what? I respect you for being honest, but mm, I got my eye on you. <laughs> calls him the bear killer hilarious oh and then uh, is yeah. was that a slight or was that an actual no, no. honor i think it? that's his honorific did and then, someone tell the wrong story to that guy like what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> i think it's like a tall tale and just gets passed around in the oral tradition this dude killed a bear quote quote right <laughs> and like everyone forgot to tell the rest of the story like a bear it was man just a dude but who was whatever. barely hanging on to a bear thread of sanity right yeah so <laughs> they i i guess we're supposed to, we're led to believe that it was kind of a journey to get there so the chief invites them to stay the night okay so that's cool they're gonna yeah. hang out fine um and then we finally get the title card the title card this time is a those coat on a chair with Adzo just sitting right in the middle of it. Oh, is Adzo the cat? Mm-hmm. Hey. That comes back later. Okay. With those coats. Yes, with those oh. coats. Okay. What was, the, what was the name of this title again? Was it the title of this? Allegiance. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. We really so, are getting into it, aren't we? Okay. Uh, we're just, I'm flying. I'm yeah. flying. If Allison has things to add, we'll do it later. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're going live. So... <laughs> Then we flash to the church. Lots of progress has been made. The church is framed. It's going up mm -hmm. on Fraser's Ridge. And um, so we're reminded, oh, yeah, this is happening. And then we flash to Tom Christie getting his stitches checked. Remember how Claire stitched his hand up for him? Yeah. And she offers to operate on his other hand because his right hand is kind of like fucked up. Like he can't use it. Something's wrong. It looks like something's wrong with the ring and index fingers or whatever, but he can't grasp things or something's wrong with his other hand. Yeah. And she's like, I can, I can fix that for you. And she like goes into this little speech to him. I just think you're scared. I think you're scared of a woman or whatever. And then she does the stupid thing where she lets him know that she can put him to sleep. 
Oh my God. Guess what you don't need to tell a guy that's currently building a church on your property. Yeah. The that guy who's can... already who's like already got, you know, witch, witch on the brain. Yeah, Jesus. So watch out there. Um and Malva is there watching. Hmm. And we can tell that Malva, this is Tom Christie's daughter, remember? Yeah. That she's really into the shit that Claire does. Right? She wants to learn more. She asks about it. She's into it. So I guess Claire says some shit to Tom, and he comes back with a quote from Timothy. I don't remember. I don't know the Bible shit. Yeah. But then Malva starts saying the quote, and it's like, a woman should learn in silence. Oh, that's And Claire's like, okay, so you don't want to argue with me because you know you're going to lose the argument. And it's like, ooh, Claire, girl, watch out now. Oh, no. Um... Then, this was my second favorite scene in the entire episode. Mm. We flash back to the uh, kind of like yurt or wherever where Ian, Ian and, and Jamie are staying with the Cherokee that night. Mm. And we see some people sneaking in and we're like, who's, who's going to go fuck with Jamie and win? No, 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 no. Literally, who's going to go fuck with Jamie? Two of the Cherokee women come in and are like, Let's do this. And there's two men in that hut, but both women go directly to Jamie. Whoa. Yes. And are trying to get him to go. And Jamie wakes up and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. And he tries to get Wean to talk to them. And Wean's like, well, I speak Mohawk, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. And so he, Wean thinks this shit is hilarious, first I of all. I believe it. Yeah. He is laughing his ass off. Also, these actresses are incredibly beautiful. So you can tell that it's a struggle, right? For Jamie to be like, no, I made a vow. I, I have a wife. And then Wean like breaks it down for them. And they're all like, oh. And one of them, and the, both of the women kind of find it a little bit funny. Like they're like, oh, it's okay. And one of them says, well, it's a shame because you have such a nice. So she's talking about his wiener. Which oh. is amazing and hilarious. What? And then what does the other one say? Uh, oh, I probably shouldn't because if I get your child, it would have red hair. And Jamie's like, what's wrong with red hair? <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. So two, two of the women wanted to see what the old Redwood was all about. Oh, that was good. They were turned away. <laughs> And then found out that redwoods really are some of the greatest woods in the in the land. Yes, very stately <laughs> and um, beholden only to one oath. Yeah, so they really. But it's too bad they didn't check out Wean because he might be a sequoia. Man, Wean, Wean was too. He was too into the hilarity of it all. <laughs> also, it was very clear that neither one of those women there were thinking about Wean. Well, I I mean, imagine like that. That's not a big room. And they were all together in the same little area. So they were just going to come in and have sex with Jamie while Wean's right there. Which You know what? You know what? Whatever you're into. Also, how often does a guy like this come through the fucking landscape? Not often. I, you That's know what? True. Here's to those two gals. You know what? Get it. To those two gals you tried. It you tried. You fucked around and you found out. But yeah. at least you tried. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so that's my second favorite scene. <laughs> uh, interesting. And that wasn't oh, that. You're never going to believe my first favorite scene. And that's not the that's not the boning scene. 
Because that's the no boning happened. It is hot, though, because the women are incredibly beautiful and they're kind of in various states of undress and are really, you know, like calmly trying to get some. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what? Sisters are doing it for themselves. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, And then we go back to the ridge and Marsley is 6,000 months pregnant with her 30,000th child. Yeah. And it's Claire going to check on her. Um, cause I guess she's getting close to giving birth and Malva shows up because Claire had invited her to come check it out. Right. So yeah. we can see that Malva's really into this like healer shit. Yeah. Or at least education in some way, something. <laughs> oh, the good old days fucking suck. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Jesus fuck. Just hold on about the good old days. So, Jesus. uh, Claire sees the bruise on her wrist again and is finally like, Marsley. What the fuck? And Marcy's like, it, it, uh, Claire's like, is he hurting you? And Marcy's like, look, <laughs> it wasn't, he, he was defending himself against me because she lost her temper at him. And she says something about having her, uh, her mother's sense of her mother's temper. Mm. And she just lost her shit and started trying to hit him. And so he grabbed her, and that's what the bruise is from. So we learn that while he is being neglectful due to his own guilt about the Browntown ass clown kidnapping and knocking Marsley over the head situation, that he wasn't there to stop it. That's yeah. why he's drinking so much, right? Oh. That he's not being abusive to her. He's just being neglectful because he's suffering from guilt and trauma and his own depression and whatnot. his own shit yes his yeah, own depression yeah. but we find oh. out he's not actively abusing her he's abusing alcohol in a different location yeah <laughs> so we find that out um claire looks down and is like marsley why are your feet so swollen there could be several things wrong with you so we're like hmm this particular pregnancy isn't as easy on old marsley as all of her Previous 29,999 pregnancies. I have a question. Yeah. Which this is probably going to have to be a question that Allison answers for us in something. But like, what kind of doctor was Claire in the in the present times? Surgeon, right? She was uh Just a general I don't think surgeon? she was. A, she wasn't a brain surgeon. I think she's just a surgeon. Like internalist. Yeah, okay. She just seems to know. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Like, she, she has to be extremely well educated to do that work. But like there's a lot of specialization in the medical field. And so like, she just knows so much. I would presume that if you make it all the way to surgeon, you probably know your way around childbirth. Yeah. And also Also, she's been through it. Yeah. Like she, she knows what pregnancy is and the kind of things you can expect. And when she sees something that is outside the normal range, obviously she, and because she's paying attention. And she's not doing x-rays and that kind of stuff no. these days. So, like, it's not like she's going that in-depth on these things. It's more like the context of frontier medicine. So, I guess all that stuff makes sense. Okay. And that also comes back. See? You're, like, you're getting into it, bud. I'm here. I'm here for mm-hmm. it. Um, I said that Fergus, the reason we find out in this scene, it's also a very good scene for Lauren Lyle. We find mm. out that Fergus is ashamed because of what happened with the Brownsville ass clowns. And, and so and, and that Fergus explains his... He hasn't spent yeah. much time on camera yet, has he? No, don't worry. Oh, okay. Well, but Speaking I'm interested. Speaking of my first favorite thing. 
but I'm interested. I am interested in how Laura Lyles. We're kind of getting that story through her, right? Like that's that character is developing, and his pain is developing through her. And yes, Marsley is giving yeah. us the backstory on that. Like yeah, we yeah. could have guessed it, but she is literally saying this is why he's so fucked up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he blames himself, and of course Claire is like, it's not his fault. It happened, and this there's also this really good Claire moment in the scene. Good job, Katrina. Where she tries to remove herself from talking about the brown assault, but uh, cannot. Yeah. Like, you see her try to, like, separate herself and just have the conversation on a purely, like, upper level. But then she all of a sudden she's like, oh, uh, I don't feel like I've got a headache. So she hightails it back to her surgery. And what does she do? Oh, she takes an ether nap. Yeah, she does. She takes a little ether nap. Mm. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I said, Claire is in full lockdown denial mode. Like, there's this great moment. Katrina has this great moment where all of a sudden it's just like this veil drops in front of her face. And she's like, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Uh, then we flash to Bree and Roger in a more appropriately sized cabin. <laughs> Not a lean-to? No, this is, a, this is an actual cat. Like, this is what we could have believed was... This is, I guess, this is where Jamie and Claire lived when they first moved there, right? That's what yeah. Allison said. But it looks like believable. Yeah, not as a opposed to a two-story mansion with six hundred windows. The fucking mansion up the hill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're in Bree and Roger's cabin, and Bree is working on inventing matches. Yeah, she got the phosphorus. She's got all these plans. She's got a little workshop set up, and she's—it's like uh, the guy in "It's Always Sunny" from Philadelphia with all the. Yarn oh, and the, yeah. she's kind of got all her things posted on the walls and she's got a drafting table. Like she is engineering the fuck out of shit. And she's having to whittle a stick, right? To get the little thing that she's gonna stick the phosphorus on to make the match. So she's she's really into creating matches, which is cool. Yeah. And uh and then I was like, wait, she's making matches. She's got that little jar of phosphorus in this tiny cabinet. Is she the one that lights it up? Oh shit! Is this? This feels like the. Which entire... one of these bitches is about to set this shit on fire? Because <laughs> one of them is gonna do it, like mother, like daughter. It's happening. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then we see. Uh, oh, the other detail that we learned in the scene is that Tom Christie, mm-hmm. that you know, the guy from Ardsmuir who showed up, mm-hmm. uh, has asked Roger to preach at a funeral for one of the Fisher people, the widow Wilson, I believe her name was an older woman had passed mm-hmm. and the person who was going to be their parson or whatever, isn't there yet. I, I don't know. I wasn't really clear on that, but Tom asked <laughs> Roger if he would do it. And Roger's like, sure. I'll say a few words, read from the Bible, whatever. So keep that little feather in your cap. Mm. Then we see Jamie riding his horse like hellbent for leather, trying to get home. Woof! He is coming home. He is excited to be home. Is he, he being chased by a harem? He of- <laughs> gets that horse up in that beautiful stable and then walks into his door. And Janine, when I tell you that that curved staircase is not fucking around, I am here to say th- it's ridiculous. When you first walk into this house, I can't, like, how did they do it? Whatever. But he doesn't have time for any of this shit. He's not going to stand around and look at his beautiful home. No. He is screaming for his wife, and he runs upstairs until he finds her. Thank God she's not passed out in an ether nap. Yeah. And then he has to bone down because, I mean, 
Yeah, he's, he's uh he's someone. About it. Yeah, someone already pulled his starter cord already. Yeah, so he's he like <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> and so he and Claire have kind of a hot like let's get together scene. There's not a lot of real like serious boning about it, but there's the lead up and the kissing and it's all really like rah, 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 rah. and then you hear uh, they're making all the sound shit. And then you see Mrs. Bug downstairs listening, just like an echo of that first scene when Frank and Claire were in that bed and breakfast in Scotland. Remember and the woman downstairs oh, heard it yeah. was very similar to that. And I was like, Oh, call back. Huh? Oh, that's good. Uh, well, that's about time they, they showed us a bit more of that time, type of boning. They've been doing a lot of good, like, old married couple, like, we're still going to love each other kind of thing. There is an old married couple comment that comes out, though, which is, you better be glad I'm not a younger man, because if I was, I'd have you on your knees with your ass up in the air again. Instead, he's got to take a break. <laughs> but he does, one of the things that he says, like, she's running through all the things he said to her while they were fucking. Yeah. She's like, let me think of all the good things you said to me. Oh, also, I forgot to say, this scene is underscored, thankfully, by we punch and kick and fight, but this time it's we fuck and fuck and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we fucking kick and bite. <laughs> we fucking kick and fight, but it's really just we fucking and take a break and then fuck again. It's kind of like that. Um, <laughs> one of the things that he said to her in the heat of the moment that we didn't see, but she's running through the list of things like, I love you, you're a goddess, I worship you, whatever. And one of them is, I must have my cock inside you. Oh, wow. Like, you know what? Let's get right to the point. Wow. I appreciate that. Like, just get to the point. Yeah. Damn. Um, so they are relaxing post-coitus, mm -hmm. talking about his meeting with the Cherokee. And he asks her, he's like, so what happens to the Cherokee in this upcoming war? Oh, no. And Claire is like, she's honest. She's like, I don't know enough about American history to really answer that question. So I'm not going to try. I And so we know that later we're going to find out from Bree, right? But whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Jamie's still mulling over what he's going to do here because he's still trying to be the diplomat and play both sides of the coin. And then all of a sudden, Mayor McDonald shows up. So here comes a those coat. And also cock blocking because they were about to do it again. Damn. <laughs> those coats always get in the way of shit. Fucking those coats always in the way. Yeah. And then we have, this is a great little scene where they are in the parlor which is, once again, far too beautiful. Mm -hmm. And there's Mayor McDonald, like, hashing over what happened with the Cherokee, and Wean and, uh, and Jamie are both there, and they're discussing it. And there's a hilarious moment where he pours some whiskey <laughs> and gives it to Mayor McDonald, and he takes it. You see Mayor McDonald take a sip and go, Ugh, so we know that the whiskey still isn't great. <laughs> 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 Which is hilarious and a nice yeah. little touch. So... Jamie's like, they want guns? I, th I think he tells him. He's like, um, the Cherokee would really like for people to stop moving into their western lands. Like, settlers need to stop taking over their area, their, their, area, their land. And McDonald's like, whatever. <sighs> Obviously, doesn't give a shit. But then yeah. McDonald starts sneezing a lot. <laughs> and then he goes, is there a cat in here? 
so he's allergic to cats, and Adzo is making him feel real bad. <laughs> so he leaves. Ian is pissed because he doesn't feel like Jamie is taking the Cherokees' concerns seriously enough. Sure. And so Jamie has to break it down for him and be like, look, I need you to know that my wife from the future and my daughter from the future have told me that the British lose this war. And Ian's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, wow. Because he already knew they were time travelers, right? He's yes. been around long Yes, ago. Ian yeah. knows that. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know what? Maybe he doesn't know it about Brie, but I have to. I mean, if he knows it about Claire, he has to know it about Brie, right? Because. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah. Because she was gone. She left when she was pregnant and then came back with the daughter. Right. Yeah. And he, he 100% knows it about Claire because they did a little reminder at the beginning of the episode to remind you that they had told him. So he's like, what? And Jamie's like, yeah, so this land that we're on becomes its own country with no king. And Jamie and Ian's like, what happens to the Cherokee? And Jamie's like, uh. and so Ian's like, I don't like when I need to figure this out. I need to, I need to learn and I want to help you, but I want you, Jamie, to understand that I, my allegiance is going to be to these people because I understand I've lived with the Mohawk. I understand their concerns and I want to make sure that their concerns are being heard. Yeah. And are valid. Right. So Jamie's like, mm-hmm, got you. And then, hmm, let's see. I got a lot of notes on this one. And because I had to get a tiny notebook, it's not as good as my big old notebook. Do this is your is this your first episode on a new notebook? Yes. But it's, oh. I'm going to tear these pages out and get myself a big notebook. Yeah, because that doesn't look like it's, it doesn't, that doesn't look like it does, it's, that, that will do the job for you. No, it's too small. Yeah. Okay. Then we flash to the funeral and buckle up, Buttercup, because this is a hell of a ride. So Roger's up front. They got the widow Wilson laid out. Very clearly, she was an elderly woman mm -hmm. in front of. Roger, he's there's a, a congregation of probably about 15 people from the ridge. I'm going to guess that most of them are the Fisher people because this is a person that came with Tom Christie. Mm -hmm. And she is laid out and she's got a little piece of what looked like the Fraser tartan, but I, I don't quote me on that with a couple of pieces of bread on it. And Claire and Jamie walk in and they have brought German with them, the baby, the boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marsley yeah. and Fergus's eldest boy. So it, well, he's like four or five. And they're standing there, and Roger starts the funeral, and the uh, the kid is like, "What's what's up with the bread?" And Claire says something about the soul saver, soul eater that'll come back. And then everybody closes their eyes, and Roger's preaching. When all of a sudden, this little kid who's got his eyes open sees that the widow Wilson is still breathing. What? Uh huh. She's not dead. What? And he keeps trying to pull on Claire's skirt like, my man, my man. And she's like, he's like, she's like, shush, shush, shush. And then finally she's like, what? Do you need to go outside? And he's like, points at her. And Claire's like, what the fuck? Oh, no. Oh, and no. Runs over and starts examining this woman. And. Oh, no. She had a aortic aneurysm. And the thing was, is that she appeared to be, her breathing had slowed so much and she was in such a torpor that they thought she was dead, but she was not quite, she was not, I'm not 
dead yet. Not quite fully dead. It was oh, like that, no. right? But oh, then Claire no. like examines her and is like, she's got like minutes. She is going to die. Like yeah. right here. And of course, here's her daughter, the widow Wilson's daughter and son-in-law standing here like, oh my God. And they run over. And then we have this great moment with this old woman that's about to die trying to be a bitch about, look at this shitty chicken shit funeral you gave me. Why the fuck am I in this barn? Like, <laughs> and the son-in-law is all like rolling his eyes like, oh God, not again. So you can tell that she was sassy. Yeah. That, that, Where's that, my brooch? Did you already steal the brooch I wanted to be married in, buried there, in? And there might have been a little it? bit of wishful thinking when she stopped breathing. as, exactly. as <laughs> And then the sin oh, eater no. shows up. So the bread that was on the little piece of tartan on her chest yeah. was for a person that comes into funerals called the sin eater who eats the bread and absolves you of all your worldly sins. I do not know what tradition this comes from. I do not know if this is Scottish, Celtic, or if this is Protestant. I have no idea. Yeah. But this old, crusty motherfucker comes limping in. He's got sores all over his forehead. He's had a rough one. I guess a diet of nothing but sin is malnutrition. I mean, if it's just bread, <laughs> if it's just bread and bad things. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he has an amazing line reading. He looks at her and goes, you're not dead. <laughs> and I'm like, why can I not have this role? Like, this is, <laughs> this is the only role I ever want. Uh, I just then, looked. I just looked up Sin Eater, and it's apparently uh, a Welsh culture uh, There you go. Tradition. So it, yeah. it, pagan. Maybe it's yeah, like yeah. a blending of pagan and, and Christianity here. Yeah, And yeah. so, or, uh, yeah. And so he goes ahead and he eats the bread and he gives her a benediction, oh. like a blessing. Oh, this is actually not just a Welsh thing. I think that just the, con the, the word Sin Eater, or the way that it's being taught is from Welsh culture, but it's, it looks like it's from everywhere. So there's a lot of, a lot of cultures do this. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, sorry. I was looking um, it up. No, I appreciate that. So yeah. he, the sin eater go ahead, goes ahead and eats the bread and gives her a blessing. And all of a sudden she like realizes, oh, I'm, I'm really going to die now. And I think it was something that her son-in-law said to her about all these 20 years. I've had a house for you. I've taken care of you. So like his mother-in-law has lived with him all these years and. She's finally like, you know what? You were good to me, and I love you, and uh, and then she dies. She says, <laughs> I'm not scared, and then poof, she's gone. Oh, that's a kind of a... But guess what this makes people think, Janine? It makes them think that Claire brought her back to life just long enough to say goodbye, and that she's a goddamn fucking witch. Yeah. God damn it. You're right. Oh. You're right about that. Oh. But then Roger, after the Widow Wilson finally expires, <laughs> oh. Roger gives a beautiful sermon. He speaks directly from the Bible, so you know that Tom Christie is pleased. Yeah. And then we move on. But it was a great scene. Sounds like a great scene. It sounds mm -hmm. like that fucking just sowed some seeds of fucking discontent in, this, in the, the community, though. Like, it's gonna holy be worse. fuck. So oh, no. then we flash to family dinner on the ridge and everyone's there but Fergus. 
Because he's, well, he's already had his dinner. It's you liquid. know where he is. He's at the yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Marsley's there, which is good because guess what happened? She goes into labor. We'll get into that in just a second. First, Bree's all like, I have an announcement. I have something to tell you. And everyone's like, oh my God, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? And everybody <laughs> starts like, hands up in the air like, yay, yay. And she's like, no. I invented matches. <laughs> and do, is the only person who understands what that meant. It's like, Claire's like, well, that's cool. And everyone else is like, what the fuck are you talking about? There is about? a deafening silence at first. <laughs> and she shows everybody how a match works. And everyone's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, it's like that. And she's like, assholes like, <laughs> it's like how much how much time have you all spent fucking rubbing two sticks together fuck I off just brought fire to your pocket you, you don't need flint fuck off. you don't yeah. need steel and flint anymore you can and you know how long this takes two seconds it's, it's terrible and it what makes it so shitty is that they were all so excited that she might be saying she's pregnant and instead she says i invented this very helpful thing that's going to make our lives easier and nobody gives a shit Man, talk about a fucking analogy for the world. <sighs> good grief. You're not having the cultural norm that we expect of you? You've done something else that's good for society? Well, fuck off. <laughs> right. So. Oh, no. <laughs> everyone isn't as excited as she expected. Yeah. Uh, and then the conversation moves on, and you can see that Bree's a little like, Beep. She but, put a lot of work into that. <laughs> no shit. Don't worry, it comes back. Okay. Christy, Tom Christie has asked Roger to preach again. Okay. So we see that there's a, something there that... Is Roger, Roger a priest of some sort? No, I don't think so. I think he's... Well, you know, he was raised by the Reverend Wakefield, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he does he, have experience. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does have experience in that arena, but I don't think he's personally very religious, but he's a good speaker. And, you know, he was a professor, and he's got kind of that... He's a performer on. too. He's a bard. Right, right. Yeah, He's yeah. a bard. Yeah. Um, Claire. So when uh, when Roger says that Tom Christie asked him to preach again, I guess some of the people that were at the widow Wilson's funeral were like, "Don't let Claire back in the church." And Jamie's like, "Excuse me, what?" So. Oh no. Um, and then Marsley goes into labor. And the first thing she says is, uh, uh-uh, this feels wrong. This feels wrong. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it ever felt before. And, you know, she's had like four or five kids. I'm sorry, 30,000 kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would know. So we're in for a rough night. Oh, no. Speaking oh, no. of the good old days. Good grief. Um, and I'm like, thank God she was at the ridge. Thank God she was at the palace and not by herself. With her 50,000 kids in her tiny hut down the hill. Yeah, where does she live? Does she live in the shantytown? Not the house? in the shantytown. No, they have their own, they have their own cabin. But yeah. it's like Roger and Bree's cabin. You know, it's one of the smaller ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasonably sized, like, uh, villas. Normal cabin. <laughs> cabin sized. Yeah. So they send Roger to go get Fergus from the still. Jesus Christ, man, go get her husband. She's having a hard time. It's not good. Claire is worried. Claire's mm. like, mm, the baby hasn't moved. Like, I don't know what's going on. I, and then she has this conversation with Jamie, like, I might be able to perform a cesarean. That would save the baby. I fucking kill her, though. But kill Marsley, probably. And yeah. so there's like this whole, oh, God, what's going to happen? 
And then Malva shows up and Malva just wants to help, right? Because Malva wants to learn about this stuff. And uh, Roger goes to find Fergus and he finds him fucking drunk as a skunk. It's that shot from the preview where he's in the in the chair with his arm hanging off looking in the fireplace. That's Fergus right now. Oh. And Roger basically grabs him by the lapels and shakes him a few times. He's like, slaps him, snap out of it. And he has a great line. He doesn't really slap him, but he's like, get the fuck up to the ridge. Your wife is in danger and she needs you to be there. And then he has a line that is, uh, be the man that Marsley thinks you are. Stone cold, buddy. There's a lot. There's a lot loaded inside of that, though, because it's like he's also like feeling dejected because of the way she like yells at him and like, oh, there's oh, man, Fergus, you're going through some pain, buddy. Oh. So Fergus nuts up and goes back to the ridge with him, which is yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, then we flash back to the surgery, and it's calmed down a little bit. Marcy's in the little, I'm just going to call it the ether fainting couch. She's hanging out in the little bed in the surgery, and she's cuddling with Adzo. So Adzo's being, like, on point. He's hanging yeah. out, making sure she's okay. Mm-hmm. And she asks Adzo to uh, promise that he won't let Claire perform an autopsy on her if she dies. <laughs> That's funny. She, um, she, knows, she knows what house she's in. She <laughs> knows she knows it's dangerous because guess yeah. what she does next? She asks for a pen and uh, ink and paper so she can write leg hair, so she can write her mom. Oh, wow. Which you know that's not a great relationship, so you yeah. know that Marsley thinks this gig is up. Yeah. And Claire's like, look, I will get you the ink and paper if you want it, but I want you to know that I am here and I am doing my best and I am going. you're going to be safe. And then Fergus appears, and here comes my first favorite scene from this episode. What do you remember about Fergus's childhood, Janine? He was uh, like a pickpocket and like on the street. And then Where was he raised? He was raised in Scotland, but he's from Paris. No, no, he's from, he's from Paris. In Paris when he was a child, where did he live? Oh, I have no idea. He lived in a brothel. Oh, that's right. He lived in a brothel. Yeah. So he lays down next to Marsley and starts talking to her and starts kind of massaging one of her boobs. And he's like checking her stomach and putting his hand all over it and just kind of like gently kind of kneading on her left breast with his hand, with his his good hand. Yeah, I was going to say, he can't knead too well with the splinters. And then he mentions to claire if you fuck around with the boobs sometimes it helps labor along because they used to do it in the brothel oh weird interesting and claire's like i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys a minute and she <laughs> leaves the room and then fergus just goes to town on marsley's boobs <laughs> Suckling her b- breasts, trying to get the, whatever the physical reaction is. They start making out. Then from the next room, guess what you hear? A baby? They're doing it. Oh, what? What? And Jamie's sitting there going, are you sure this is safe for Marsley? And Claire's like, yes, it's safe. It's fine. And everyone's like, I gotta go. Because they're really getting to it in that other room. What the fuck is happening <laughs> Fergus is fucking making that baby happen. Uh, 
clear he's clearing the way he is so everybody leaves except for claire and malva and then there's this great sequence where you can hear the loud and boisterous pregnant fucking happening in the other room and malva's like malva's never heard this shit before right she's oh, yeah. definitely never heard anybody have a good time while boning yeah yeah and she looks at claire and she's like does it hurt <laughs> and claire's like well it can but you know some women like it. If you're in love with someone and they love you, they want to give you pleasure. And some women like it. And you can see Malva like the little Swiss watchmaker shit going on in her brain. Like, hmm, boning, huh? Oh, my goodness. And then it cuts to Ian. And I'm like, oh, no. It's going to be something with Malva and Wean. That's my prediction. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that. But that, I think we got that even from the trailer with the hands and the agreed. Looks and and shit. she looks yeah. just like Jenny. So yeah. we see Wean outside. I think it's outside the stable or outside the house somewhere, and he is kneeling down and offering some sort of like blessing or prayer. And it sounds like he's doing it in the Mohawk language. And Bree comes around the corner and doesn't want to interrupt him, but he sees it and she asks him what's up. And he's like, "I'm giving up. I'm I'm praying." Um, for the for Marsley's baby, that the sky shelters them and protects them, and like all this beautiful stuff. And you see Jamie kind of coming around the corner, and he stops himself because he gets to hear this conversation now. Mm. So Jamie's doing a little bit of eavesdropping, mm. and we and is like, "Hey, Bree, what happens with the Cherokee?" And Bree's like, "It's not good, bud." And she lays out the entire history of what happens and how, you know, the European settlers come and take over and they never really give anything back and that people are moved far away from their ancestral lands. And, of course, Ian is just astounded, right? Just yeah, like, like how, how it's like just the dishonor associated with all of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and disrespect. Oh, my goodness. She's just giving it to him straight, too. She's just like, I wish I could tell you something different, but this is the result. Yeah. And so... Ian's mind is made up in that moment. And that is, get the guns to the Cherokee. Find yeah. a way to get them the guns. And then Jamie's a, Jamie like hears this, hears Bree give him the rundown and starts to come around the corner when all of a sudden Wean says, I had a child. And Jamie stops. It's like, go on. And it wasn't clear whether or not Oh, sorry, I forgot. The baby was born before this. Well, yeah, I before imagine. this scene. All that good fucking, yeah. The baby is a dwarf. Oh, oh. And it is the baby's name. I believe is Ollie. Um, Fergus is not happy and runs away again. Fergus. So then we see Marsley with the baby and she's fall she's in love with a baby and she's obviously going to be a good mother to this baby but Fergus cannot deal the fact that he his baby is a dwarf. So that's so we see that we find out that the baby is a dwarf before we see this scene where Wean is praying and Yeah. So I don't know if something was um if the baby was born uh with uh any issues of uh, Wean's baby was born with any problems but but it seems like he's familiar with this situation it says something about uh Fergus will be back he you know 
then we get into the Native American conversation. Jamie hears all this. So Jamie's learning a lot here and trying to figure out how he's going to sort through all this. So it was a very lucrative <laughs> eavesdropping session. Oh, wow. Um, oh, I forgot to read my favorite note from my favorite scene. Fergus appears. Wait, what is this? Boob job hand magic. <laughs> and then, ah, what? <laughs> And then Fergus did what needed to be done. Yeah. All right. uh, oh, you know, and, they, well, that's one way to distract yourself from pain when we listen, doing it. Like, you know, they, they say that, uh, you know, focusing in on heavy petting is a way to like, um, uh, you know, get satisfaction without having to actually have penetration. Like it's, you know, I've yeah, never yeah. heard something, so, never heard something, something so stupid. I know it's but, ridiculous, but it's now we know that heavy petting really does lead to babies. Yes. <laughs> It creates them. It opens the way. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Bree breaks it down. Baby's coming. Oh, yeah. So then we see the baby happen. And Janine, hmm. I know that you've watched a lot of movies and you've seen a lot of things that take pace, place in the distant past. And it's always like childbirth is the worst. Let yeah. me assure you that it literally is the worst. That like... As a woman trying to imagine, as first of all, as a woman who's never even had a kid and mm. doesn't want to have a kid, childbirth in general, even modern day, I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. But then when I see this shit, it's like, why? <laughs> why is it so terrible? Oh, God. But she makes it through. This is when we find out that Ollie is a dwarf and Fergus runs away. Yeah. Um, and when Fergus first comes in to give her a kiss after she actually gives birth, she looks at him right in the eye and goes, never again. So how does that, obviously they enjoy fucking. So how are they, is this going to be a Claire and Vince birth control situation? Is this going to be a Brie and Vince condom situation? <laughs> is this where sheepskin condoms come from? Yeah. I mean, they do have sheep and goats up there, so yeah. there's intestines of plenty. Yeah. Are we gonna make little um, Jimmy hats for the entire ridge? Like, how are uh, we doing this? Something tells me that that's actually that's not like a. Uh, now I'm curious. I'm that, that's got to be not a mod like the needles, right? Needles of uh, of Egypt. Like, there's got to be. Oh, I'm sure condoms exist, but I'm sure they're made of porous materials that don't really prevent pregnancy. You know I what I mean? Out. Like totally. sheepskin, like that shit. That maybe it would keep you from getting pregnant one out of the ten times, but. But then again, not having it, you're going to get pregnant 10 out of the 10 times. So I guess that's the well, way Well, first condoms, uh, documented use of condom was in Europe in 1564. Okay. So condoms already exist. Let's make some on the ridge. Yeah. Uh, Come on. Oh, but it was mostly to prevent STDs, not necessarily uh, pregnancy. So it was to save the dude. Uh, the, yeah. Syphilis, from syphilis. Um, fascinating. Mm, mm, fascinating, huh? I cycle. Bullshit. I know. Anyway, Patty. <laughs> so. Oh, then we, my, one of my favorite lines in this entire episode comes now. We go to Bree and Roger's cabin again. Mm -hmm. And Bree is still smarting a little bit from not everybody getting on board with her matches. She's like, oh, and her line is apparently the only worthwhile thing I can do here is get pregnant. Mm. And it's like, yeah, for a long time, that's all it was. 
Mm. Nobody gave a shit about anything else as far as a woman was concerned. Have a baby or shut the fuck up. You know, that, and I'm not going to take away from that because that's true, but I wonder if matches are one of those underwhelming advancements or even the whoever actually developed matches, they showed them to someone that a person was like, but I have flint and steel. Why do I need this? Yeah, exa- <laughs> that's exactly how they reacted. So I think, I think you're right. I think yeah. it's like a creeper. Yeah. It's I like, think when they're like, oh, it's this tiny little book of these things that I can carry with me anywhere and I don't have to carry this heavy ass rock in my pocket or whatever. Yeah. It's like, uh, like I would actually say it's kind of like Facebook. When Facebook came around when I was in college, it's like, oh, look at this fun, stupid thing. Like what's, you know, we don't, we're not celebrating the, the immensity of this thing. Now, you know, 15 years later, we're like, Jesus fucking Christ. That's like, look a, what happened there. Speaking of matches. Maybe should have. Yeah. Fucking Speaking hell. of setting some shit on fire. Yeah. Because someone have like been mark zuckerberg's friend for a little while in harvard because maybe we would have avoided some of this i don't know Ugh. <laughs> no but somebody else would have done it that's true yeah so uh we do find out been. something important in this scene that i think is show knowledge not which is directly con- contradictory to what allison has told us about the books mm. brie and roger i think brie says it very explicitly they have decided to stay there for good oh okay there's so no question of like going back to the future. That's what she says. She's like, okay. since we've decide, decided to stay here for good. So then all of a sudden there's a knock on their little cabin door and there's this little boy, Aiden. Remember how there was yeah. the young widow with the kids? And I guess this kid was out wandering around and got lost and couldn't find his way home. So he's scared and like he comes in and Roger and Bree. I guess they are trying to have another kid. Okay. We discussed that a little bit, and they haven't been successful. So I think that explains a little bit of the reaction at dinner. But mm-hmm. still, in Bree's mind, and I think quite correctly, they really should have been more excited about the matches sure. than the baby. Anyway, so the little kid comes in, and he's like, I got lost. And Roger's like, well, you know what? I was going to go take a walk anyway, so why don't I take you? But first! And then he takes a match and puts it behind his hand and goes, and lights it on fire, and that kid loses his mind. Whoa! So that makes Brie feel a little bit better. Nice. And then Roger says this, my wife made it. She's a genius. And that's nice. That is nice. And only takes one, only takes one match. Aiden might be the person that uh, fosters the new revolution, you know? Thank you. Thank you, Roger. All right. Then we flash to Mr. Bug in the carriage getting ready to take a provisions run, I think. And he's, there's some text about him. I'm sorry. Some talk between him and Jamie about going to River Run with some of the whiskey. Mm-hmm. And Kezzy Beardsley, you know, one of the twins yeah, from yeah, Beardsley's yeah. House of Horrors, yeah. he shows up to go, and there's Lizzie once again with her new hair down, mm. looking so nice. She flirts with him a little bit, and I'm like, is she getting it from both twins? Or is, I mean, she, is she hot just for Kezzy? Because Kezzy's the one that speaks, right? I mean, there's there's virtues in in both. Same. Por que no los dos, for real. <laughs> um, and then Jamie turns around as Mr. Bug leaves their driveway, and there's Chief Bard and his cohort, the Cherokee, have showed up oh. to talk to him. Like, have you made your decision? And uh, Jamie's like, no, not yet. And the Cherokee are like, we're going to remember this. And they leave. And then Wien is like, fuck this. Fuck you. I'm going to get them guns. 
I, we Ian, Ian, I am going to figure out how to do it myself. And Jamie's like, how the hell are you going to do that? And Ween's like, I don't know. I'm just going to do it. So we see that Ian has is going to devote himself to this endeavor, this yeah. side. Yeah. And then we have a nice scene. This is a hot piss scene of Jamie and Bree on the front porch. Well, Jamie's thinking about guns like he has his pistol here and he's like looking at it and cleaning it and just thinking about guns. Right. And then Bree shows up and she's like, dude, I told, you know, this is this is shitty. So what is it? They chat. They chat about the guns and they chat about the Fisher people. And Jamie gets a little bit deeper about his worry. About the church that's being built on the property. Okay. Because he knows that Tom Christie is a zealot. Yeah. It's a source of power is the church. And right. a, a and pulpit he, is a big deal. He doesn't want that messing with this utopia that he thinks he has created here. Right? Yeah, yeah. And he he gets a little bit deeper with Bree about that and about like the whole Claire witch thing. Like, it's not great. And then... Jamie goes to the uh, construction side of the church to kind of confront Christy about it and be like, hey, did you forget your Freemason vow? Mm -hmm. This isn't going to be a church. It's going to be a meeting house, and everyone on this ridge can use it. Protestant, Catholic, everyone. And my wife will go in there too, and you will not have a word to say about it. And so there's a little setup here like... Jamie kind of whipping his dick out and being like, back the fuck up. Hmm. And then what does this cause Tom Christie to do? How do you think he feels when he loses a dick measuring contest based on what you know about him so far? Uh, He's going to find a way to make his dick bigger. (laughs) How does he do that? Um, Well, not pills. Those don't work. Um, Uh -uh. I imagine he's going to... Do a holiday festival? I don't fucking know what a church is. He's going to go beat the shit out of his daughter. Oh, fuck off. Ah, damn it. Here's how it goes down. He walks in and she's busily gathering all these books and notes to try to (sighs) kind of hide them. And you can tell he's mad. And then he opens up this little urn on the table to dip out some milk. And I guess the milk's gone bad. She forgot to make butter out of it. I don't know. He's pissed and he starts screaming at her and then you can just see that she has been here before oh god damn and she's very calm she's not giving him anything to react to she's just like and then he's like get over here and she bends over and just like like she's done it a million times starts hiking her skirt up so he can beat her ass but guess what his hand doesn't work so he can't hold the belt to whip her with. Oh, my. Right? Yeah. So he gives up, and he, she stands up and, like, confronts him kind of with a look, and she's kind of, like, laughing at him a little bit. Oh, no. And you can tell that this is not to his liking. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to mention... Jamie mentioned the windows when they were talking about the church. He's like, you should put some panes of glass in there. It looks really nice. That was the window joke. Anyway, Patty, 
It's like, hey, we got this entire shantytown behind our mansion that's building. You should really put some in there. We got right. Oh, we have God. extras. We we were gonna put more in windows, but we were like, that's a little excessive. You're too many. Uh, what a light moment for how heavy all this shit is about to get. Jesus. Okay, here's where Jamie. Here's where Jamie overheard Wien blessing the baby. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that earlier. Um, and then he hears that Fergus is gone and I'm like, is Jamie going to have to fucking deal with Fergus too? Ugh, yeah. probably eventually. And then <laughs> Christy decides he wants to get his hand fixed. So he can fucking hold the belt? Oh my God. Oh my God. He decides he'll let Claire fix his hand. So he says it's so that he can write better. But we know it so that he can beat Malva better. Oh my God. And Claire's like, Claire doesn't know anything about the abuse, right? Of course not. So she's like, yes, of course. But we've got to let the other hand, remember he's got stitches in the other hand. She's like, we have to let that heal first before I operate on the other hand. So come back to me when your stitches are fully healed. But she's like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll, I'll <laughs> reconstruct that fucking belt hand. She doesn't know that. But Claire's going to be the instrument that, Creates the thing that beats Malva again. Oh, so wow. that actually got me to thinking afterwards. So we heard him say, Tom Christie said another thing about your mother with her black soul. So did Alan and Malva's mother fuck up his hand? Maybe. Did she fuck up his beaten hand? She, and she's not around anymore, right? Mm-mm. And she's not, not here anyway. We don't know, at yeah. least because I haven't read the books. I don't know. Is she alive? Is she dead? Is she somewhere yeah. else? I don't know. Yeah. But is she the one that fucked up his right hand so that he couldn't effectively beat as much? I don't know. How fucking. God damn. But Claire's about to fix that hand, so we'll see how that goes. Um. Then we flash to Jamie in the parlor doing some home admin. Like you do. He's got his tiny little glasses on. Mm -hmm. He's writing a letter. We find mm -hmm. out it's a letter to Governor Martin to get guns yeah. for the Cherokee. Like okay. he's, he's making this decision. And uh, Wien is the, he, he tells Claire, Claire comes in and they have a little scene here and he tells Claire about it and tells her that Wien is the one that got him to approach it from that way because his alleg allegiance is to Wien because mm. they're family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a very dramatic letter sealing moment where he folds the letter together as he says that he's going to give it to Mayor McCheese or whatever the fuck his name is, Mayor McDonald. And he drips the red wax on it and that has his big signet stamp. End of episode. You know, as for a second episode... It was a uh, lot of like threading needles. It was a lot of like pulling things from the first episode through to get to the next thing. It felt yeah, because like, like it's, it's still it's good. Ha but. It's hard for like second episodes. Like Allison made a point last week about how the first episode does exactly what you need a first episode to do. Right, sets it all up, gets you a little bit caught up, and like it's kind of formulaic, but like it's it's you have it takes effort to do that well. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like uh, uh, Cheeseman. Is doing is does a very good job of like setting the Cheers, stage Cheeseman. Up. Yeah. And like I think the second episode seems like it's continuing with the same thread. Um, but uh allowing for the building of tension <laughs> um in new ways. Fuck, man, this is you know, 
maybe it's been a while since we've it's been a while since we've done <laughs> outlander so and like we've been in jane austen land for so long so maybe i've forgotten how dark this show can actually get i think this season in particular is probably gonna be dark this way yeah because of what's about to happen in history well and and i think maybe my reaction to the darkness that i'm i'm perceiving here is that it's not maybe so it's because it's our country that it's happening in well but also like it's a lot of like we're we're in the depths of these characters who we've been following for such a long time and we're recognizing no longer like the kind of shock or like the conflict that comes from someone else coming into your life like blackjack all the fucking sudden and like there's some sort of foil where like christy is a part of a historic kind of connection and we understand that and like fergus's emotional damage that he's going through of like inadequacy as a man and like alcoholism and addiction and and Claire's now like budding addiction to ether and like all the, because of her trauma, like all these things are, we're kind of seeing the culmination of a lot of trauma. And I think that's a different vibe than. Yes. Oh, well, Allison mentioned it in Dudelander, uh, which was, we're very used to seeing shows where something bad happens and then it's just like, oh, whatever it's done. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now it feels like the trauma hens are coming home to roost like yeah. for everyone. Very much Not so. just Claire, not just Fargus, but just generally speaking, everyone there. It just yeah. feels like everyone is dancing very lightly around a big black it's, pit. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, did you watch 24 when that was a thing? The cultural no, but I know, I know of what you speak. Yeah. So like for anyone who, I didn't watch it either, but like there was like fucking how many seasons of 24 were like, like t- at, at how four... many 24s can there be? Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, like there how are many four... times can this happen to this guy before well, he like... loses his mind? <laughs> and there's like four or five days where like the entire world just hinges on him at different points <sighs> in his life. Like, could you like what's the trauma inside of that? Oh my no. god. And they never they don't address it. They can't address it because of the ridiculousness of all that. Um, and I think that's a it's you know, it's gonna be heavy because I think maybe and maybe that's also from the context of pandemic Aaron, Janine, who's Aaron. I have definitely yeah been feeling that part of it a lot for these two episodes and i don't i'm obviously it's not just my personal experience but it does feel that there's something about a reckoning yeah or like a uh at least recognizing that you have been through something and trying to stifle it that's not good, right? And yeah. so I, I, you're right. I feel that reflection a little bit. I mean, that's a personal thing, but you said it too. So yeah. it's, it's interesting that lens is interesting because I don't think that they could have predicted that it well, would have hit those notes, but it definitely is. Well, and when did, when were they filming this? They were filming this like last year, summer. I think this was. I I'd have to go look it up, but I bet they were filming this closer to the beginning. Oh, because yeah. remember Katrina got she she's very barely pregnant. Like we haven't seen a lot of baby bump shit, but she's been in her surgical smock a lot. You know oh, I mean? yeah, that's right. So well, she's like very barely pregnant here and then, she's already had her baby. So it's been at least a year. So I'm going to guess they were probably filming it 
art kind of in 2020 at some point. But then we could give a little bit of power here to, or a little bit of the kind of uh, application of the collective public global trauma we've all been through to the director and producers and the editor, right? Where like mm -hmm. they have these scenes, but now they understand like, hey, we can lean into some of this traumaticness. This we're all we're all going through this at the same time, right? Like we're also mm -hmm. going through the trauma in this editing room, and we can maybe highlight this or maybe have a better sense of it all. That's interesting. Yeah, because like you know, we got to remember that this like with production, these things go. Very... They probably weren't working on that part of it, the kind of editing and threading it all together until well yeah. into it, right? Yeah, so that's like that makes because you know a classic example of like how editing makes the film. Star Wars, the original, fucking horrible film until they got a better editor to come in there and make it make sense, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe that's something. Maybe that's, that's also why we're feeling that because like mm -hmm. it's. It's through the same kind of experience later on. I don't know. First episode, when I immediately knew that she was dosing ether in order to deal with her trauma, there was a little voice in the back of my head that was like, is this you? <laughs> right? You know, because I, I, don't, I don't depend on alcohol as much as I used to, but I definitely do. And oh, so it's yeah. like this little, little glimpses, little like I'm boop. I mean, I remember 20, my 2020 was me trying to bring back alcohol into my life after being uh, abstaining for a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that started before the pandemic. But then, yeah, like her using ether to escape. I definitely remember some of those like nights of like, hey, so we're past the two weeks of lockdown and we're still doing this. What's going on? <laughs> Maybe I'll have this cider. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess you're right. I, just the uh, we can't help the lens through which we on the backside fingers crossed who knows mm -hmm. at least in this part of the pandemic we can't help but view these things through a very certain lens yeah and it's it's personal it's to each person but there is a collective trauma yeah the the cultural understanding of what trauma is because i think we've all had traumas but we've never had one where we can all kind of talk about how we all interacted with the same experience i think well for for fuck's sake white men generally are the ones who haven't had to had that cultural perspective right mm -hmm. um but now i think we all have something very similar we can go like well or at here's, least an idea like yeah like here's x this made it like, harder for me to get toilet paper even if that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of that's discounting it a little bit but i mean obviously everybody has a different experience but there is it is an interesting idea to me yeah. that watching this season of outlander that deals with people's trauma while undergoing trauma yeah like those oh. those Venn diagram balls touching real hard. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's. There's. They're definitely in the same scrotum. Oh. You know what? On that note, <laughs> I think. I think that's where we have to end it. I'm gonna record all the thank you shit later because once again, Allison, we love you. She's at South by Southwest, so mm. I've got to do the thing. It's gonna be terrible, but I'm. I'm gonna do it. And I'm just going to tack it on to the end of this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening, I guess. Do you do have anything else, Janine? Should we do scales before we go? Is that I don't do possible? the scales. That's Allison. Okay, that's her I, thing. I like, okay, we can't actually do scales because you didn't watch. No, because all I'm going to do is pick random like movies to say, hey, in between these two random movies that have no context. Well, then why experience. don't you do that to me <laughs> since I watched and then I can pick?
Okay, some so what's other the f- random movie. What's the bit first one? The first one would be There's either doing it, costumes, or um Let's do costumes. Because okay. that one's I think we can get that one out of the way really quickly. So on the costume scales of um uh Technicolor uh Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat mm-hmm. two. That's the low end. Um to um let's say Avengers Endgame. Hmm, interesting. Definitely a scale for J- from Janine's head. <laughs> this episode, uh, of course, the costuming remains excellent, just generally speaking. Yeah. But it's not a flat. Once again, it's not a flashy one. There are a couple of the Cherokee. Like Chief Bard's costume is so beautiful, and once again, I I know we've gotten some suggestions from people. We really we, should make it we, a point we, to reach out to somebody who's familiar with absolutely. First Nation dress because that's really the highlight. Um, any any of the Cherokee costumes that you see are the highlight at this point. Cool. Um, Claire's smock and baby bump hiding is is pretty cute. Um. Yeah, I don't really remember anybody else's, so I'm gonna give it um, like a I don't I know. You, I give you Fucking, a terrible th- scale to work with. <laughs> and, no, I'm just thinking about a movie where the costumes were there, and maybe there was like one really good costume, but the rest of them were just kind of boring. I'd say that's uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, perfect. Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. There are some really like clever costumes in that, but most are just kind of like weird cyberpunk. Kind just of like experience. whatever. Move yeah. On. Yeah. Um, Though that's challenging too. Okay, so the next one boning. is boning scale, the doing it scale. Uh, so from uh, what was that movie with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and um, he's a priest. Oh, doubt. doubt! I have such doubt. So on the scale of doubt to eyes wide shut. That's a terrible scale. <laughs> and I'm gonna one up your ass. <laughs> And I'm going to make it even worse. Oh, God. And I'm going to say that for me, this episode of Outlander is purely in the Grapes of Wrath territory. Oh, fuck. And if you get that joke, you get that joke. Oh. If you don't get that joke, I'm sorry. Go read the Grapes of Wrath. Oh, wow. <laughs> um. That's one of my favorite scales we've ever done in a while. I like that. Um, well, the, uh, let, let me break it down a little bit more. I'm not going to explain the joke, but I will say this. Yeah. That when Jamie comes riding back home and is like, I got to bow my wife. That's pretty cute. <laughs> and that's funny. And that's charming. And then we hear the Marsley and Fergus baby making fucking. And that's pretty good, too. But there's nothing's going to get past the magical boob job. Like, there's <laughs> nothing. I'm sorry. It's oh. magical boobs. And it, it's... I can't. That's almost total recall, right? Three nipples. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what's the third one? There's a third one. Oh, costumes doing it and... Do we have the um, baby trees? No. No. That's an award we do later. What's the third one? Who's the best? The Golden Pample Moose, Oh, maybe? Golden Pample... Well, that's... Yeah, who's the Golden Pample Moose? Huh. This one's kind of a hard one because it's it's a really ensemble based episode. There's not a lot of like 
It feels a little bit like Wean though did a lot. I, yes, of I actually I would give it to Wean. Yeah, I give it to Wean for this episode because he gets to hear incredibly terrible news and also offer love and support and also have that hilarious scene in the. Yeah. Your, yeah, Wean. Wean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Me neither. Yeah, I'll record else. the thank yous and Here's thank Jasper. you, Janine. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. This was right. uh this was good. This was look at us. Look at us doing it. The thing is, without the book knowledge, it's very difficult because yeah. we can't there's no real critique or anything to be made. It's just a recap. But it's we just... can talk about what we liked, what yeah. or what we didn't like or things that are surprising. But until Allison comes back, it's kinda like, here's what happened. But yeah, that's all we can do. Well, I enjoyed it. You you keep me up to date and I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Julie here. Uh, I don't usually do this, so I'm kind of scared, but I'm going to push through, so be gentle. Here we go. It's time to thank our wonderful listeners. Thank you all so much. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Instagram at podlandercast and at podlanderpresents. You can check out our other podcast at sickburnjane. We're on Twitter at podlandercast. And you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast. You can support the show. You can get early access to show. You can get like our little nuggets of like what now and special releases and bonus stuff, Janine's Corner, all that good stuff. And I want to thank all of our listeners because you're all beautiful and I appreciate you all. But I especially want to thank... Heather Robbins, Kelly Bodden, Viv Pickles, a.k.a. Laura, Amelia Bazell, Amy Gustafson, Ashley Tiggison, BG, Kara Marlowe, Claire Feeney, Emily Carlson, Emily Day, Freckled Fury, Jerry Hurdle, Jen Collins, Jenna Polkowski, Julia Gulia, Caitlin Reddick, Kathleen Martini, Catspaw156, Kelly Armstrong, Kelly Mazella, Laura Colm, Lauren Tennant, Lisa Brienne, Liz Penniston, Mary the Falling Statue, Rachel Townsend, Rachel Rochelle, sorry, Rochelle Lefevre, Ruth McCormick, Chantal Salters, Snazzy Knack, Stella Welch, Tara Lucchino, Tori Halligan, Amanda Newton, Anne Gibson, Betsy English, Jen Lynn, Julie DeTwat, Just Bree, Kelsey Kemp, Kristen, Maddie Perkins, Mary of the Grapefruit, and Trish McCrary, and of course, as always, Kiki the Wise. Thank you all so much, and we will see you soon.